This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Howdy ho, everybody. Welcome to episode 166 of the Laravel News Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I am Jake Bennett, and with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, our wonderful co-host, Mr. Michael Dorinda. How's it going, dude? G'day, 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 g'day. Hello. It is nice today. It's uh, we're, we're in that like horrible... I don't know if we talked about this last time. We're in that horrible time of year where the weather is like... I think it was on the other podcast, maybe. You go to bed and it's like warm still, but you wake up and it's freezing mm. and like the weather changes during the day. And like one day it was like 27 degrees. The next day it was 20 degrees and raining and windy and miserable. And it's that fits and starts part of autumn. Yep. And we're just, into... yeah, you guys are going, you guys are going into the winter and we're coming out of it. So like, I'm okay with the fits and mm. starts. It's like, oh, it's like yeah. at least decent out today. I can wear a hoodie. This is amazing. Right. You know? So it's like, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. We're coming out of winter and it's getting to summertime. We're getting the yard ready putting down the fertilizer, mowing the lawn, the pool getting the pool, ro- pool open. Done? Pool ready? Nope, the pool's not open Excellent. yet. I got I to gotta run some PVC piping. I got to like take some PVC pipe, run it outside the house and stuff. Anyway, got mm. a couple of, and the pump needs to be replaced too, of course. Every time you go to turn something on... Of course on, it does. Of course it does. You know, it's $1,000 a year, it seems like. You know what I mean? There's always something. <laughs> nah. just something breaks. Got to replace something. Talk to Jack McDade. He probably knows. He probably knows. Mm-hmm. He's a pool man and down there in Florida. He's sunny a pool Florida. Man. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's jump right into it. We've got a couple releases here that we're going to talk about some uh, packages, some tutorials, and Mr. Dorinda even took the time to throw in some community links. But before we do that, mm. thank you so much again, Honey Badger, for sponsoring the show. Honey Badger is a longtime sponsor for all your error tracking needs. They've got a great API that integrates really well with all of your Laravel stuff. So if you need some error tracking, check out HoneyBadger.com. Okay. Laravel 9.9 release. Uh, let's jump right in to that one. Here we go. This was released on, I want to say April 20th, but that's definitely not right. That was the day it was written about. But what day was it? Let's see mm-hmm. here. It was going to be April 19th, I think. April 19th. Okay. So uh, released with a configurable pluralizer. Get all tables support for SQLite and SQL Server, an eloquent builder convenience method, the ability to call throw and a pending request, and more. Let's start right out at the top with this get all tables support for SQLite and SQL Server. So Jay Havens and Derek McDonald, no relation to Tim McDonald, I don't think, contributed the ability to call get all tables on SQLite and SQL Server connections. So previously, this was not something that was supported by these drivers. I think you could only do it in MySQL, maybe even post. No, yeah, just MySQL, I think. So now you can call schema and get all tables and get all the tables that you need in case you didn't do some sort of operation across all those different tables, or if you just needed the names of the tables to do some sort of stuff, you can now do that on both SQLite and SQL Server. This is handy too if you happen to use SQLite to do your testing and you need to use get all tables for something, right? That's always a deal. Mm-hmm. When I when I, I like to use SQLite for testing if I can because it's just in memory. There's nothing to clean up. I don't have to set up another table. It just throws it in there and does it and it's all good. But um, you know, sometimes these sort of deals throw off your ability to use SQLite as, a, uh, as like your test double database. So now it's supported. Get all tables in case you need that. All right, let's keep going. Perfect. Yeah. D. Nagy Gergo contributed a without eager loads method 
the eloquent builder class is a convenience method for the following. So before what you just have to do is you'd say query set eager loads. And now after you can just say query without eager loads. So what you'd have to do previously is say eager loads is equal to an empty array. And that would just turn off eager loading. And now you can do it with just query without eager loads. So just a little bit of syntactic sugar there, make it a little bit easier, the API a little bit nicer. We've also got Ash Allen, who is a, uh, we've talked about Ash a couple of times. Ash Allen, if you haven't checked out his stuff, he's got a cool website out there. Um, I actually don't have it off the top of my head. Let me go grab it real fast, maybe. It's uh, ashallendesign.co.uk. Yeah, he's got some really good articles out there. He's got um, like an ebook, I think that's free, The Clean Coder's Guide to Laravel, some really good stuff. And so if you haven't checked out his stuff before, go ahead and do that. But he contributed a throw method that you can use on a pending request when using Laravel's HTTP client. So what you can do is uh, you can say HTTP based URL with headers, set those, and then you can say throw right off that. And uh, if that's returning a pending request for you, you can now uh, go ahead and uh, fluently put a throw on the end of there. Uh, so it's like if you're setting this up as your as a base client, instead of having to uh, put it on every call that you're going to make. So instead of on like on this post, throw on this get throw, you can just put it onto the actual sort of client that you're setting up itself. And so that's a pending request that gets returned from that when you're when you're setting it up that way. Um, so that'll sort of allow you to do it in one place and not have to specify it in every single call. So that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. All right. C-E-S-A-R-E-P. Cesarep contributed the configurable pluralizer language and uncountable words. I'm guessing what this means is that, uh, you know, you have this ability and uh, Eloquent will use this behind the scenes so that if you say uh, user, right, your model name is user, it will go ahead and pluralize that for you and say that we're going to create a users table, right? So the user is mm-hmm. singular. The model name is singular. The table name is going to be plural. It does this in a couple of places, right? Where you can say, um, use this word and then comma, uh, here's a number I'm going to pass in. If I pass in a one, keep it as a singular. If I pass in more than one, make it plural. So I'm guessing what this does is it allows you to pass in some sort of um, class that you can use as your own pluralizer. Michael, have you gotten a chance to look at that uh, pull request and kind of see what that's about? No, I've got it. I've got it up on the on the the live stream for for those of you who do watch that. Okay. Um, the, the, this is around the pluralizer already handling uncountable words and so maintaining ah, a list of of the words because it's it's really just a giant um list of uncountable words so if you think in terms of like deer the word um, deer or something like deer yeah or 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 sheep you know one sheep two sheep that kind right. of thing um so the uncountable words and things like that so laravel was previously maintaining its own list um whereas i think it's the symphony inflector which is responsible for that upstream um, that that kind of already handles it, so it was a, it was just a matter of trimming that down. I think. Interesting. Okay. Um, but the the details of all of that is available um, in in pull request number forty one thousand nine hundred forty one. But we'll we'll have links to that in the show notes for everyone. Very good. Yeah, there was a couple additional fixes and changes, uh, but nothing really super worth noting there. So that is nine dot nine on to nine dot ten. Yes, nine dot. 10 was released uh, i guess on the 27th if we're going to go by the yeah. the fact that the uh <laughs> the, the 
the post came out the day after the release. Um, first up in, in 9.10, we had a before refreshing database function. This was contributed to the refresh database trait and it allows you to run code before the database starts refreshing. Um, I actually came not across this specific thing, but it was um, Mior that, that I think Mior is his name that pointed this out, that there's actually the ability within your test cases to to specify a before refreshing oh, yes. and an after refreshing database method. Mm-hmm. Um, and that essentially allows you to hook into those those points in the refresh database lifecycle so that you can do some one-time setup. Um, if you're doing things that you want to be available persistently outside of the database transaction and things like that, you can certainly do that at this point. And then any cleanup and, and things like that you can do in the, as the after. So thanks to... Uh, Rock Sprogar for that one. Uh, next up, we have a does not expect output command assertion, which was contributed by Marcus Hebenstreit. Um, this is a command assertion method, which is self-explanatory. Um, basically, you call this artisan and then the, the artisan command, and then you can chain doesn't expect output to contain, um, and then that will check the output of the command. So that's using Laravel's built-in artisan command mocking functionality for your tests. So check that one out if that's something that you've wanted to be able to do. Previously, you would have had to do the inverse check, you know. Um, so uh, Jess Archer contributed a find or method Jess to the Builder and its relations. Yeah, Jess. Now, uh, this, I guess this this is probably her first uh, contribution to the framework perhaps ah, since she so started working at Laravel. At least the time. first one that I know. Sure. That's right. So... Um, this method matches the existing first or methods. Uh, so you can do find or throw an exception or um, return an abort response or return a string um, or or handle some some columns, um, you know, to, to set some default values and things like that. So uh, this will also work on relations as well. So thanks to Jess Archer for that one. Next up, Taylor Otwell contributed a configurable compiled view extension that is customizable via the view configuration when passed into the Blade compiler. Um, So this allows you to, if you're uh, interacting with the Blade compiler directly, uh, you can pass in a view option to specify um, the extension that's used for uh, your compiled templates, Mm. if that's something that you've ever needed to do. Marcus Koch contributed support for is and is not operators when using PostgreSQL. Um, you can check the pull request 42123 for details on that one. Um, there's the ability to retrieve input from the request as a stringable. So Cameron Wilby and Taylor Otwell worked on this one together. And this was contributing the ability to retrieve input from the request as a stringable object instance. So rather than saying... Um, just request input and getting a string. If you know that you're wanting to perform some kind of string operations on that, if you're wanting to um, do a starts with or a after last or a squish or anything like that, you can now do request arrow string or request arrow str and then pass it the name of the request parameter and it will return that for you as a stringable object. And lastly here, uh, Jan Oliver Pantel contributed a prepend to chain and append to chain method to append and prepend jobs. The use case for this um, is whenever a job is within a chain, whenever a job within a chain wants to on queue jobs onto its own chain, 
without the need to create a new one and wait for the successful execution of the child chain. This is already technically possible since all the needed properties and methods are public. However, having formalized functions for that makes for a better developer experience. So this is, I suppose, if you have like a defined set of um, chain jobs that you always want to run and then conditionally either prepend some to the beginning. So you might want to do like a a permission check or you might want to do an authorization check or like a plan check to see, you know, does this plan have the ability to do some extra functionality or you could put in a guard action in there um, if you need to do that uh, conditionally. So thanks to Jan Oliver Pantel for that one. Uh, That's all for Laravel 9.10. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Very nice. Uh, I was going to jump back to that before refreshing database function. Um, mm-hmm. In that, they use this db colon wipe artisan command, which I have not used before except for this week, which I was looking at the migrate fresh command and was trying to figure out like what I needed to do was I needed to loop over a set of databases, database connections and mm-hmm. delete all the tables like that were in that database like just go ahead and wipe them all out right and so mm-hmm. you can use this db wipe command which is not uh in the documentation but it is used inside of that migrate fresh command to just say point me to a connection and basically do a wipe everything out right like drop all views mm-hmm. drop all tables drop all that stuff and so that's a pretty handy little command db colon wipe and yeah. so yeah, really, really nice. And thing. you said you said that was not that was not documented. I haven't been right? able to so find that as something that's... that's documented. Yeah. Um I looked okay. for it. I didn't see it documented, but again, it's just like a little source diving. It's in there. Um and so yeah, nice little handy one there. Cool. And then well, there you yeah. go. If that that might be something that someone might want to contribute oh, to the documentation go. if they can verify your claim of undocumented nature. Indeed. Um, also, the Jess Archer find or first or I did not know that those existed. I've not seen that before. So the find or first or uh, being able to pass those values like that index in and then uh, set a closure as a second argument. I have yeah. not used that before. That's, so that's pretty cool. That's kind of handy. Like if you've ever used find find or file right. or first or yep. file, this this kind of gives you the ability to, I suppose, hook into what the behavior is in that or fail scenario. Totally. You might want to redirect a user. So you know, generally, if you do a find or fail, it will return a model not found exception, which then gets converted into a, a 404. You may want to manipulate that in, in such a way that instead of returning a 404, you return a 403, or you might, if you know that it's a trashed record, you might return a, I think it's a 410 to say, you know, it's gone oh, interesting. and things like that. So it gives you the ability to have a little bit more. I mean, you might just, you know, if a, if a record is a 404, to to sort of not expose that directly you might redirect the user you might do it you know all those kinds of things you can do so yeah. um check that yeah, out because before you had like a find or fail with the find or fail mm-hmm. you have to put it in a try catch and then you have to catch the on um model not found exception and if you didn't want to do it then you'd have to do find and then you have to do a null check and then do that right with this you can mm-hmm. just say find or and then do whatever you want to do so that's that's pretty nice right. nice little yeah. syntactic stuff there Okay, uh, let's move on to packages. So the first package we've got here is Laravel Redirection. This is a Laravel 8 plus package to manage URL redirections inside of your Laravel application. So um, if you're ever migrating maybe from an old site to a new site and you say, you know, in the old site we had 
these 10 different sections that were all sort of duplicate. We don't really need all that information anymore, but we don't want those URLs to just die once we push the new site. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to make sure if somebody visits that URL, we're going to redirect them to this new page, right? So maybe on the old site, you had a page for each individual person who was at the C-level in the company. And now you're just going to redirect them to mm-hmm. the about, about page. Um, well, previously, what we would have had to do is you would have had to make a route redirect. Um, I think you can do that. Yeah, you can do that now. There's a, there's a little helper for mm-hmm. that. Route redirect, and then you specify, here's the URL it was going to go to, and here's the new one I want it to go to. So you'd have to specify that in your you know web.php file or wherever it might be. Essentially, what this does is this allows you to do that, but in a different place. So you can either, it ships with two drivers, either a config driver or a database driver. And so with the config driver, all you do is you have a URLs key, and then you have old URL, new URL. That's it. So when they go to anything that's at the old URL, you can then redirect it to the new URL. And that works pretty good. Otherwise, uh, oh, and with that, you can also specify the status code that should be used. Is it a 301 or is it a 302? Is it a permanent redirect? Is it a temporary redirect? Which one is it? But then there's also a database driver. Uh, so you can have this in your database. So if you needed to um, maybe, mm, I'm trying to think of what, so I, I don't know if you just have that many that you don't really want to have to put them all into a config and you can figure out how to do it in the database really easily. Uh, you have a bunch of them that you need to throw in there. You can just push it into a database table and use that as well. That will work fine too. Uh, so both of those work. Both methods work there. Laravel redirection. You can find uh, installation instructions and a link to that in the show notes. Perfect. Next up, uh, we have a package uh, also related to, I guess, SEO more directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this package is called Laravel SEO. And this one, uh, there aren't really any SEO or many SEO packages for Laravel and the available ones are quite complex to set up and very decoupled from the database. Um, They only provide you with helpers to generate tags, but you still have to use those helpers and nothing was generated automatically and they almost do not work out of the box. There you go. This is just tangentially to this. This is something that um, I think Justin Jackson talks about a lot is that you don't necessarily, when, when you're coming up with product ideas, you don't necessarily need to create your own market. Um, you can look at what already exists and see what you can do to do it better. Mm-hmm. Very true. And and this is like, there are lots of packages out there and, you know, people will often build them for their their own use cases and then release them and then not necessarily, like, it's like, use this if you want. That's the whole the whole idea behind the open source um, software is I've made this and I'm just sharing it and you do whatever you want with it. Um, but there's there's good opportunities out there either for commercial software products or softwares as a service or or just packages in general to to bring out something that takes an existing idea and just just does it in a different way or a better way or a, or a more in this case more reusable way. So with a bit of configuration, this package offers offers um, robots tags, title tags, meta tags, open graph tags for Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and so on. Uh, Twitter has their own suite of um, open graph tags. There's structured data for articles and breadcrumbs and favicon support. Um, and the package will connect to SEO connect SEO data to models. So if you have a post model, you can add, update, and read SEO data through a SEO relationship. And you can also dynamically retrieve this data in a model um, using a get dynamic SEO data method on your model through the has SEO trait. And then on the front front end, you just use the um, SEO helper method 
and pass it. So SEO, Arrow, 4, and then whatever the model is, and it'll go and resolve all of the SEO tags for you. So again, like I said, it's just a, a nice abstraction over all of that stuff where it's responsible for putting tags and whatever in your database and then outputting the correctly formatted meta tags into your headers for you. So um, the packages readme does have more examples for this, uh, including advanced usage details and things like that. So we'll have links to that in the show notes for everyone. Very nice. Yeah, that's actually, I was, I kind of did this whole thing last week, of course, maybe two weeks ago, where you know, mm-hmm. you look up the Facebook open graph tags, you look at the Twitter card tags, you look up all the different ones, and then you kind of push it all together and try and make it work and throw it all in there. So uh, this is actually really handy. Uh, like they said, like there is, I mean, to be, to be real fair, real honest, I didn't look super hard. I fall prey to this. I'm like, <laughs> oh, certainly there's a package, but I can just build this myself really quick. Um, yeah. So this famous, yeah, last, famous words. last words. Exactly. This isn't that hard. Uh, so speaking of, we've got another package and this is a really interesting one. So this allows you to generate documents in PHP with an Excel template. So the Anur Valar mm. Office package is a PHP 8.1 library. And it allows you to generate documents from XLSX, so Excel templates. So in the in the sort of um, blog post here, they give you a template example. So they have a Excel sheet open, and across the top you have a product's title, and then you have a small table underneath that with some headings, and then underneath that you have some highlighting and um, some tags. So products dot name is in a bracket. And then you have products.price is also in bracket, like almost like an array. Um, and then mm-hmm. at the end of that row, you have bracket equals products. And then the next one, you have bracket error or uh, bang or exclamation point products. They talk about a little bit what each one of these means. But essentially, these are the special hooks that allow you then to, within this package, then use those pl- places as sort of um, locators. So you can then... Mm-hmm. pop your data into those spots in this Excel sheet. So the reason why it makes that nice is because there's not real easy ways or sometimes it can be really... Uh, there. Are, so there are tools that do this. But sometimes it's nice just to start with a template instead of having to configure it all in the code. It's like, I kind of know what I want it to look like or there's yeah. an existing page. Or you get handed Exactly. One. There's an existing mm-hmm. page that already exists that they've been using and I just need to feed the data into here. So you can start yeah. with this and then you can use... Uh, code to generate a document using that template. So you just pass in uh, your products, as we said before, and then they have like name, price, quantity, date, and it will fill them in in those in those rows for you automatically. And I believe it also will iterate over however many you have and use that same sort of template, if you will, to go and show each one of them on there. Um, there's also some interesting syntax that you can use within the template itself, where you can say. If there are products, keep this row. If there are not products, delete this row, right? So you can you can specify um, different pieces of conditional sort of uh, showing or deleting inside of the document mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so it, it looks pretty freaking awesome, honestly. If you work in like the real world, uh, if you if, yeah. if, if you work with somebody other than just developers, 
um, and you actually have teams that need to consume data and they're used to getting it into an Excel sheet, right? Not everybody has Table Plus or SQL Pro and they can't just go in and fiddle around with database structures and right. and whatever. Uh, this is a really, really cool um, package here. Allows you to take and create yeah. something that's really nicely formatted and, and something that makes sense to them is maybe familiar with them or familiar to them and uh, deliver it uh, with a lot of you know, value right out of the box. So when saving the document, the package supports multiple save formats, Excel, PDF, HTML, ODS. Apart from generating files from the Excel templates, it also supports um, two-dimensional tables, image insertion, dynamic templates, multiple uh, merging multiple documents into a single file, exporting uh, a table using something called grid service. Not sure what that is. In any case, there is a really great readme with further further details on the package, and you can learn more about it by checking out the show notes. Awesome. Yeah, as you say, us us folks in the real yeah. world that work with, you know, marketing people and, and finance yep. people and, you know, legal people that, that say, you know, we need a report of all of these things. If you could get them, because they know, like they all know how to use Excel, yep. but they don't necessarily know, you know, and it's, t- it's tedious to... Um, to sort of like just put an email together with all these fields and then converting it to tickets and things like that, then them getting lost. If you could, if you could say to them like, just give me an Excel spreadsheet yes. that with what you want, then then you can use this package to kind of go back and then fill in the gaps and and then present to them. You know, rather than having to start from scratch and then go, oh, no, this is not what we want. We want this and well, like, give me the format and I'll put the data into it um, and and go from there. Like, and I did this a lot at, at previous jobs where it's like just exporting CSVs all the time, and it's like here is the raw data. You do what you want. Yeah. Yep. Um, so always dangerous because then, you know, <laughs> marketing teams like to add little multipliers onto things yep. to make numbers look bigger than they are. Yeah. So, um, definitely, definitely check that out. It's a, that's an interesting one. Um, you would certainly become like a secret weapon, um, for, for putting those things out. And speaking of secret weapons, we have our friends at Honey Badger back to sponsor the show. Let's face it. Your code is going to have errors, even code written by amazing developers such as all of our Laravel listeners. When errors happen, it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and check-in monitoring into a single, easy-to-use platform. They'll send you alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing errors and where they're hiding so you can quickly fix them and get on with your day. And the included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. Go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star Josh and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution, which is important because as a self-funded business, they only answer to you, the developer, rather than venture capital overlords. You can check them out. As I said, honeybadger.io. I use them on across a number of my projects and always have experiences with them so check them out that's honeybadger.io absolutely thanks again honey badger uh let's continue on to the tutorials so the first one we have here is service providers how many have heard of service providers if you've ever had to add a package previous to laravel 8 you've definitely heard of service providers maybe it was even laravel 7 i can't remember uh, but, yeah, it's been yeah, a while but you used to have to register the service provider for any package that you would add in, almost always, right? So this installation steps would be composer require, and then you'd have to go to app. Uh, was it app.php? Yeah, config slash app.php, and you'd have to go to the service providers section, and you'd have to load in that service provider, um, and then you mm-hmm. could utilize it. Well, no longer do we have to do that, but service providers are still used. What are they? 
and how do you use them? So for those who haven't actively used service providers in Laravel, it's sort of a mystical term. What service exactly do they provide? How does it all work? Well, in this, um, Pavilis goes through exactly what they are, how they work, and how you can utilize them for yourself. He goes through some default Laravel service providers, ones that you've probably used like the event service provider, the auth service provider, the route service provider. And so what do they all have in common? This boot method. And inside of that method, you write any code related to those sort of actions, uh, to providing that particular service. You might have something like a billing service provider where instead of having to new up a brand new Stripe instance every single time and pass in your API token, you just do it once. You provide a singleton to the uh, global container and now you've got it all set up, ready to be used anytime you need to hit Stripe. Uh, so this tutorial goes through all the different steps and tells you when those service providers are executed in the lifecycle of Laravel, how you can create your own custom service providers, uh, examples from other open source projects. Um, and so it's a really great tutorial. If you're looking to learn more about service providers, this is a great one to look at. And I remember when I first learned about these, I was like, Laracon, New York City, it was the first Laracon I'd been to. And I was trying to figure out how to switch out which authorization method I was using based on if I was in local dev or if I was in production. And I remember like this mm -hmm. idea of like service providers. Somebody said something about service providers. I was like, what are those exactly? And I remember the, when the light bulb turned on, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And we use them in quite a few different projects now. So um, yeah, really helpful concept to understand if you're if you're kind of wanting to be a a next next level Laravel dev and you're not sure what these are yet, spend a spend a you know 30 minutes, take a look at this and and make sure it's something you got mm -hmm. figured out. Yeah. Even if you don't use them, it's That's, it's a good place to understand yep. like structurally how a lot of Laravel is bootstrapped and, and all of the bits and pieces are put together. So yep. um definitely definitely check it out. Uh, as well from Pavilis, I think he's doing like once a week. He's posting on Fridays a tutorial nice. to the Laravel news site, which I've seen for the last yeah. few weeks. So this this other one, which is also from Pavilis, goes into whether or not you should use or should try or should learn Livewire or Inertia.js. Uh, it's a question that comes up a lot. People will ask it. I've asked myself the same question. Um, and it comes down to what do you know and what do you want to learn? What are you, what are you trying to achieve? Um they're both trying to solve the same kinds of problem in that you're wanting to be able to provide like a real-time SPA-like experience to your users, but without having to go through the whole rigmarole of, of building an API and then building a JavaScript application and then building routes for your backend and then building routes for your front end to, so that everything's all wired up. Livewire and Inertia both solve that by kind of giving you this componentized infrastructure where you can sort of just point to them and they'll be able to interact, handle interactivity within themselves. Um, and then which one you choose for me, the main thing is, do I want to write JavaScript or do I just want to write Blade and PHP? Um, but this article goes into a bit more detail around, you know, the backstory and the problems that are being solved. Um, Livewire, like I said, is, is the comfort zone for a lot of people that just want to stay in the back end. You don't need to write any JavaScript. You don't need to write Vue or React or anything like that. Um, it's all all just PHP in the back end. You just keep writing your your Blade views and templates the, the same way that you've already done it. Um, performance, you know, it can you can get bogged down uh, depending on yeah, you know, and either of these things because you're passing JSON objects backwards and forwards between the server. 
um, we're talking about SEO. We're talking about um, career opportunities in terms of being full stack de- developers. Um, there's no reason we can't have both. There's absolutely no reason that both of them can't exist in the community at the same time. Laravel Jetstream is a good example of that. They're two distinct front ends um, using two different technology stacks, but with the same back end. Basically, they the back end is all the same place. So it doesn't really matter what you're putting on top of it. Um, and and you can extract extract that stuff out, abstract that stuff, such that you know you've got your live wire components and you've got your inertia controllers, which they will both look different, but they can both defer to action classes, which is what Jetstream does a lot of. It resolves those things from the container, from the service providers. They're all bound in there using contracts, and then the the actual application code lives in these actions, and so your inertia controllers, your live wire controllers, is all just um, referencing those those contracts, resolving them from the service container, and then carrying out actions um, in an abstract way. So you could swap out between them if you wanted to. Um, the use case is similar, and then it depends on what kind of interactivity and how deep you want to go in terms of um, you know interfaces and things like that. So definitely check them out. Check out this article, which goes into a bit more detail about all of that stuff as well. Very nice. Speaking of Liveware and moving on to the community links section here, we've got Michael Rubel who has provided this really great GitHub repo, which is full of Livewire best practices. So this is actually something I was just reading through this. There's a lot of good stuff in here that I was not aware of. I've used Liveware um, in a couple different projects, but the amount of Livewire that I've used compared to the Liveware a lot of people have used is quite lacking, I would say. And so this essentially is a curated list of general recommendations on how to use the Laravel Livewire framework. So Michael Rubel has been using it since 2019, back when Caleb introduced it in NYC and released it. It was barely even stable at that point. Mm. And Michael's been using it since then. So he's kind of grown up with it. And so he's got some really great suggestions. I'll just mention a few of them here and then uh, point you to the article or to the GitHub repo. Um, the couple that he talks about are the golden rule of performant live wire is to avoid passing objects to components mount method. Um, the reason for this is because live wire serializes and deserializes your components payload, every request to the server to allow you to share state between the front and the back end. And so if you're passing these really large objects back and forth, it's going to slow down live wire. So he says an eloquent model is big enough already for the live wire uh, life cycle to kind of slow down on each component mm-hmm. uh, page reload. So um, if you can avoid doing that and instead just passing primitives, that's going to be uh, really helpful. He talks about nesting your components and how deep you should me- how, how deep you should nest things. What's the recommendation on that? Um, using um, let's see here, what was it? Using computed properties to access the database. For, the reason he says is this avoids unnecessary database queries. Computed properties are cached within the component's lifecycle, so they don't perform additional SQL queries on subsequent requests when updating the state of an already mounted component. Good to know. It did not know that. Um, you can. There is an artisan command to move Livewire components, which is pretty handy. Uh, he talks about using loading states to make your UX better, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. So some really good stuff there. And I mean, it's we're talking about, you know, 10 rules, top 10 rules sort of deal. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that, that big of a read. Um, but some really good stuff in there from somebody who has learned it the hard way, it seems. Yeah. So thank you, thank you, uh, Michael, for providing that one. Yeah, it's definitely something to consider, especially passing objects between components because yep. it, 
it works. It's simple. But if you've got large objects, if they've got like lots of relations loaded and things like that, if you're taking that from the front end and then you're passing that into your Livewire component, every time that refreshes, Livewire has to sort of serialize that object and send it over the wire as JSON. So the more more places you do this, the bigger that payload is and, and you know, the tricky things get. Whereas if you can, as I suggest, just pass integers around, then you're only working with those in the back end and, Lariv- and Livewire doesn't have to then serialize that and push that back out into the front end and re-render the whole thing. So definitely, definitely check out that list. There's some smart, smart cookie things in there. All right, the next one we have here is an article on the Hybit blog talking about domain-driven design with Laravel. Um, if you've, you know, anyone that's used Laravel knows that you get in there and you have an app folder and everything kind of lives in that app folder. And you've got HTTP and you've got models. If you've got a Laravel 9 application from scratch, you've got providers and things like that. And most people and and, and a lot of applications will just use that default structure and, and will get by just fine. As you start building bigger applications, um, you may find you want to start separating those things out and you kind of think how you might do that. Well, domain-driven design gives you a set of uh, rules and techniques and guidelines around how to do that. So this article on the the Hybit blog talks about, um, you know, introducing the domain-driven design principles, talks about layers and components and how to create your first domain-driven Laravel uh, project talks about some things to keep in mind, the architectural layers. So generally within your domain, you will have like separate um, layers, I suppose. Um, And then you have like domain, application, infrastructure, user interface and separate all these things out. But then you can contain all of that top level Laravel um, folder structure within each of those individual um, domains. So uh, components look i don't know the terminology obviously if you do you know that i'm making it up as i go along (laughs) the broad the broad concept is that you would reproduce all of that top level structure within each of the um, domain level components so you would have the app folder with uh, you would have you know the http folder the providers folder any um of all that kind of stuff you would reproduce um for each of those components so check this one out if um domain driven design is of interest to you this is one of those things again where um so when I'm starting on an application I'm not thinking about this really. I'm just trying to like get my hands dirty, get in there, try and solve some problems, write some tests mm-hmm. and and get it get the job done, right? But what eventually ends up happening is things grow in complexity. Uh once the users start using it, you start getting those requests for reports like we talked about and then the compliance team gets involved because now we're using it heavily enough that there's some compliance risk, right? Hey, we're making phone calls at the times that we're supposed to. So we have this business logic that starts getting added in and then you get more and more. And before you know it, you are using sort of this made up structure where you have the regular folders that you have from Laravel. And then you have some of your own folders, but it's not super consistent. Sometimes you have, you know, gateways and sometimes that lives in HTTP and sometimes it lives outside of HTTP. And then you Mm -hmm. have... Sometimes you have this namespace that's like the name of your business. So like in our case, it'd be Wilbur. And sometimes inside of Wilbur, I have services, but sometimes services is outside of Wilbur and sometimes in the app, right? It's just, where does that stuff live? And so in this case, in this blog post, I feel like they're just kind of trying to provide for you. Here's where you can sort of group some of these things and the heuristic that you would use to determine when it fits in which folder. So I think this Mm -hmm. is really helpful, actually. Um, I'm going to take a look back at this one and see... um, 
if this is something that we couldn't do in at least some of our really large apps to provide a little bit more structure. Thankfully, PHP Storms may, uh, Storm makes um, modifying these structures really simple. It will automatically offer to rename space things for you as you move them around and then go through your code base and, and update them. So you can literally just start dragging stuff around and it'll it'll update everything for you. You run your mm-hmm. tests, everything passes, you're good to go, right? Um, so yeah, this is, this is a, a cool blog post. Thanks for including this one. Um, the other item we've got here is adding translations to Laravel Spark 3 plans. So Laravel Spark 3, the author of this one, Tina Hamar, um, she bought an unlimited license of Laravel Spark 3. So she discovered that it will load the subscription plans from a config file. That's great. But the only problem is you can't translate strings within a config file, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't say if somebody's loading into the page using Spanish as their language instead of English, you can't in your config then say underscore underscore plan name one. You can't you can't access the translation helper from within the config. So what's the solution? So she posted a question on the Laravel Spark chat, and the reply was a suggestion to solve it with a middleware. So in the post here, she talks about how she created the middleware, and then how she created the translation files, and then she adds the plans to the Spark config using those translation files and then registers the middleware and Bob's your uncle. There you go. I think I used that phrase correctly. <laughs> I think that's what it's supposed to be. I just read a post that, about the other day. Oh, is, is that is that not a thing? You don't have Bob's your uncle over there. I don't. Nope, we don't. Really? Is that did I say oh, it okay. right? Did yeah, I say it right? Bob's your uncle. Right? Okay. Bob's your uncle. Bob, Bob's like, your mother's brother. <laughs> even better. Bob's your mother's brother. So there you go. Um but look, you know, if this is something that you've had to do before and you're using Spark as the way that you're uh, handling your billing uh, and you have to do international internationalization, uh, you've probably run across this. So um, thanks, Tina, for sharing that one. Great work. Yeah. The final article that I have here is one going into everything you need to know about using Carbon with Laravel. Ooh, there's a lot. Now, Carbon is the... Um, date library that Laravel uses uh, is provided out of the box. It, it extends date time, the native PHP date time object and it gives you a whole lot of niceties on top of that in terms of being able to reference like today. You could say carbon colon colon today to get um, the current date which starts at you know midnight. You could do carbon now which gives you a um, you know the, the current date and time. And then you can do all kinds of parsing things. You can use um, carbon create from format. If you know the format, you can use um, carbon parse. If you don't know what the format is and you want carbon to kind of just figure it out for you, um, talks about all the different different um, date formats. So typically people will write their date as like number slash number slash number. So for the US, that's month slash day slash year. For us, we do that as day slash month slash year. Um, the rest of the world, actually, it's just America that does it backwards. Oh, come um, on, come on. I've read an article the, the, about this recently where they were like, this is why it makes the most sense, actually. The, I mean, the the problem with, with the slash as the delimiter for month, day, year or day, month, year is that PHP will interpret it only as month slash day slash year. Whereas if you want it to correctly interpret it as day, month, year, you have to use dashes. Um, mm. So, you know, things like little gotchas like that. Um 
You can always include time zones. You can look at carbon intervals. You can use carbon periods, carbon time zones, carbon immutable, which is to, to force Laravel uh, or to force the, the objects to be immutable objects. So if you've ever used a, a date time or a carbon instance previously and you were to, to sort of manipulate that, you know, if you were to have like carbon, uh, dollar star equals carbon now, and then to get like dollar end, you do dollar end equals dollar start arrow end of month, you'll find that both the start and the end variable are now set to the end of the month with mutable objects. If you were to use carbon immutable, then you would actually get a new instance of dollar start set. So it'd be basically a new instance. So with with immutable objects, you never modify the object. You create a new object and modify the new object and return that. Um, so that's something to, to be mindful of. Um, but there's a whole whole host of common carbon examples using the now helper method, which is provided by Laravel. So you can use now format, uh, translated format. You can do substitution of days or addition of days. You can use differ humans to find out, you know, it'll handle doing things like one minute ago or 10 hours ago or three days ago or six years ago, all of that kind of stuff for you. Um, you can see if things are conforming to a format, you could get it to to output into known formats so to date string to formatted date strings to time strings to json strings to all that kind of stuff um and it handles all of these things for you it's a well-written post it's from uh, tiado so definitely check that out we will have links to all of these articles everything from the community everything from the laravel news website they'll all be included in the show notes indeed indeed well that wraps up the show for us today folks Episode 166, if you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 166. If you liked the show, and we hope you did, please rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars is much appreciated. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, hate mail, wonderful praise, you can hit us up at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News on the Twitters, which is being bought by Elon Musk. What you know? I'm just going to say it in the episode so that we can say that we talked about it at some point when our kids are like, <laughs> Daddy, do you remember when Twitter wasn't owned by Elon Musk? I'm saying, I remember, kids. I remember. <laughs> it's anyway. episode 166 of the Episode 166, podcast. kids. We talked about <laughs> it. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, and we will see you again in two weeks. Thanks to our friends at Honey Badger. Don't forget to check them out. They're uh, at honeybadger.io. Yes, honey yep, not, not owned by Elon Musk. Go Honey Badger. No, no capital no. overlords. You're the best. Thanks, Honey Badger. Peace. See you.